Father God, we give you thanks for this new day that you have made, for the rains to bless and soak our land, uh, for your steadfast love to us through your Son, Jesus Christ, um, through your promise, your covenant promise to never leave us nor forsake us. Lord, we pray that you would open our hearts now as we look again at your word regarding um, your attributes, and that we will be lifted that our eyes would be lifted up to you, our one true living God, that we would be increasingly be transformed um, into Christ's image as, as we gaze upon your beauty and majesty and power. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Right, so we are already uh, session 14 um, of the doctrine of God, and we're looking now at we call the moral attributes of God. So this is still under the, the general category of communicable attributes, yeah, those attributes that God in some way shares with us. So we're going to focus on the moral attributes. There are a series of these. Um, we'll first look at goodness, then love, um, holiness, righteousness, and wrath. We're probably not going to get through all of them today, so we continued next week, but let's first look at what we understand to be the goodness of God. Now, we must understand that absolute goodness does belong to God. He is entirely good in the perfect sense of, 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 of things. And at the same time, Goodness can also be attributed to us. Yeah, that's why this is a part of the communicable attributes. Yeah, it is the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians 5, 22, um, goodness is a fruit of the Spirit. So we too can share in that, that goodness. But as with all of these attributes, God's goodness is qualitatively different to ours. And so we see Jesus teaching this in, in Mark 10, 18, and he says, no one is good but God alone. Okay, so only God is, is perfectly good. But yet, in a creaturely way, we do share in um, goodness as, as a fruit of the Spirit. Yeah, only God is the source of all that is good. Um, James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift is from above. Now, God also, he expresses his goodness, not just to us as believers in Christ, but in fact to the whole of creation. And a, a great example of this is, is Psalm 104, um, 14 to 15. It says, you cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate, that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine and bread to strengthen his heart. So it's, it's a wonderful picture of God's goodness being manifested in the, the, through sustaining us through the creation, through causing crops to grow, through causing um, fruits to grow on the trees, um, that we may uh, use it to make good things to satisfy us, like wine and olive oil and and nice fresh bread. I mean, these things are, are gifts to, to not just Christians, but to all of, 
of, of God's creation. Okay, an expression of his goodness. Now, the other thing that we need to understand regarding the, the goodness of God is that because God is good, yeah, this means that he's not the author of evil and sin. And so as Christians who, who have a high view of the sovereignty of God, which, amen, we must, um, we must be careful not to attribute evil to God. Because God is not evil. Okay, yes, he's sovereign over all. Um, as the Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 3, tells us, which is derived from teaching of Scripture, that he ordains all things that come to pass. Okay, so that even means the bad things are ultimately ordained by him. But he is not the source of evil. Okay, he is not the, 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 the source of, of sin. Yet he uses, in his sovereign will, he uses evil things to accomplish his will. And this is hard. We can't really get our minds around this. Okay, but it's just how scripture presents this. You think of Acts 2.23, which tells us that God predestined the crucifixion of Christ, but yet it was carried out by the hands of lawless men. You want to hold that together. <laughs> Okay, because God's sovereign, nothing just happens by chance. He's God. Nothing just happens by accident. Okay, so in one way, he ordained the crucifixion, which is, must be clear, the greatest evil, the greatest injustice of all time. He ordained it, yet it was carried out by the hands of evil men. It wasn't God who did it. But yet God used that the most evil thing ever committed on earth to accomplish the greatest good. Okay, so for us, we must be careful not to, especially, and this is just like a, 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 some pastoral advice. If people you know, come and say, oh no, I, yeah, they've been through the wars and they've been subject to all sorts of of sin and abuse against them. And the worst thing and, and an incorrect thing you would say to them is, oh, don't worry, it was all, um, well, a pastorally insensitive thing to say is, oh, no, don't worry, it was, it was all God's plan. Okay, ultimately, sure, but, it, but it's, you, we don't want to attribute these evil things to saying that God inflicted these things upon you. Okay, God is good. Okay, he has certainly permitted evil in this world, the reality of this world that we live in a sin-cursed world. Okay, but he is not, we must get away from this image of God and being this pernicious being who's kind of zapping um, his, uh, his, his, his own people. Yeah, he is, in his essence, he is good. And he is loving. Any questions on that? Uh, you know, sometimes you think you have to bypass the brain, really. 
So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there, there is, there's certainly a mystery to, to this, uh, Patrick. But I think, as you said, we've got to hold on to the Word of God, all this, and hold, kind of hold these things together. And it, we think the freeing thing is we don't, it's not, we don't have to think we have to figure every little thing out. Okay, yes, we can, you know, we, we should engage our minds with, with, with the Word of God. Absolutely. Um, but we can also kind of behold the mystery <laughs> of God and just and, and worship Him. Okay? In, instead of trying to figure out every tiny little detail. Understand that His ways are greater than our ways. That he, that's precisely why He's God and we not. All right. Any other questions regarding the goodness of God and sin and all that? Yes, any? Yeah, and I mean that. Yeah, that as you said. Ultimately, the word is living and active, and initially, because of the state of our hearts, we we tend to want to resist hearing it. But yeah, the the more you sit under God's word, the more it softens one's heart, one's heart, and. Um, God is able to, well, God promises to us that his word would never return void. So even when we, th- we think that somebody is not hearing it and being hardkoppig or whatever it is, um, we can trust that God, the, the, the way that God works in hearts is through his word, by the power of his spirit. He is, only he can do that. <laughs> only he can soften a hard heart and he does so through his word and by his spirit. All right, close and linked to, to the God's goodness. Let's look at 
That's God's love. Okay, his, his goodness is manifested through his love. And we could say that, in a way, the, the, God is love. I mean, that's what Scripture says. It's is in his, the heart of his being is love. Now, the, the nature of God's love is, is not just that well, he, he gives us good things. Okay? And yes, he does. If we're in Christ, absolutely. And even if we're not, through common grace that we saw with God's goodness, the, the rain to soak the land, wine and bread and all these good things. Um, but the, rather that God gives of himself to us through relationship. And really, this is the highest form of love, well, the, the love of, of indifference, and in that God loves his people. He loves us without expecting anything in return. And you see, this is so, I suppose, unusual of our experiences of love on earth is that we are hardwired to, to a transactional um, view of love, that Ah, I'll love you if you do X, Y, and Z. And if you don't do X, Y, and Z, well, then I'm not going to love you anymore. Thankfully, God's not like that. <laughs> okay? He, he, and the reason He's not like that is because He's perfectly whole in Himself. He doesn't need anything else he doesn't need any he doesn't need our love although he 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 desires our worship but he's not a god who's needy he didn't create us out out of some kind of need and because he's completely fulfilled in himself father son and holy spirit share this perfect bond of love as the trinity the love that god would the love with which god loves us is whole and it, it's not a needy love. So we don't have to feel then that, that, we, um, that, we can, that God is going to then um, kind of run out of love for us or, or cut us off because we haven't done enough for him. He's perfect love. He's completely satisfied within himself as the Trinity. And so there's, God is, doesn't have any need of our love, although he desires certainly a response of love for, for his from his creation. Questions so far? Yes, Amy. Okay. Okay. Great question. Okay. You see, this is where what's important to when we look at God's attributes. We need to look at all of them because they all we can't kind of subtract, extract one from all of them, and then create our view of God just based on that one. They they're all interrelated. So God. Um, loves us. Okay, and that's that's why his love to us is covenantal. It's based on through 
covenants. And so it's, I don't know if it is the most theologically correct way to say that God's love for us is unconditional. Okay, God, rather, I think a better way to, because that, then the implication of that is what you're saying. And I think what a lot of people understand by that, oh, because God's love is unconditional, I can just carry on doing whatever the heck I please and it's fine. No, it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. Okay, rather, we need to understand God's love to us expressed through covenants. And I heard there's, there's a new book that's been released on covenants. Uh, you may be able to get it. Yeah, morning, uh, Lorna. <laughs> um, so he expresses his love for us, his people, through the covenant of grace. Okay? And this covenant of grace is established unilaterally in that it's all from God. Okay, God decides to come into relationship with his people. Okay, that, that promise is in seed form in Genesis 3.15, where he promises that the descendant of Eve will come and, and crush the, the head of the, the, the serpent. In so doing, looking forward to Christ who's going to save a people for himself. So he's going to do it. God is going to achieve that. Okay, he's going to elect his people. He's going to save his people. And he's going to, to sustain us to the end through the power of his, his spirit. That's all his work. There's nothing that we can do to contribute to our salvation. If we are his, even though we may, may wander away, and yes, we may even carry on in sin. And we said people... We see we sin every day, but high-handed sin, even like David, okay? Um, but the true believers, God will always bring back to himself. Okay, so he, he will, so in that sense, the, the God's covenant love to us is unilateral. It's all his initiative. Yet a response is required from us. So it's not, well, I want to I say it, it's, it's not a transactional love. We need to understand this. this is a unilateral expression of, of, of covenant love to us, but we respond as God's people through repentance and faith. Okay. So it's not, and so it's not just oh, we can carry on doing whatever we want in sin. In high-handed sin and in stiff-neckedness and rebellion, thing that God is just going to love us anyway. Okay, God doesn't misunderstand from because God's also holy. He doesn't just wink away sin. There's always a price to pay for sin. Okay, if we're outside of Christ, that price has got to be paid by us by our blood. That's the penalty of sin is, is death. But thankfully, in Christ, that debt has been paid for us. But even Within our, this covenant relationship of love with us and God, if we wander off, like say, like David wandered off, okay, God, have a look at what happened with David. God didn't just wink that episode away. Okay, he disciplined David. 
He's like, no, it's fine. You can have your fun with Bathsheba. You can have your good time killing Uzziah. No. I mean, he sent the prophet Nathan to him and he got it. He gave it to him. I mean, he was severely disciplined. And, but that's how also God loves us. He loves us because we his people. He, he, sometimes we need a club <laughs> to bring us back and bring us to repentance. And in the new covenant, that's expressed through church discipline. That's why as the New Testament church, we see it in Acts and the epistles. We don't, sin isn't just winked away. Morning, morning. Well, we're just finishing off a, a class here. You're welcome to join us. <laughs> Um, so you, you're welcome to come in. Um, sin isn't just went away. If, if, there are, um, uh, if there's ongoing sin in the body, that needs to be dealt with. And that's why God has appoints his elders in the church to carry out church discipline. For the sake of the holiness of the church. But also to remind people actually of God's love for them. That God loves us too much for to just let us wander off and, and ruin our lives in sin. Questions? Okay, well, let's finish it here for, for this week and then we'll carry on um, next week. Father God, thank you for your word that uh, instructs us and brings life into our lives. Lord, we pray that you would continue to work in our lives by your spirit and prepare our hearts now as we um, enter your presence in, in the worship service. Or that you would continue to speak to us loud and clear through your word and minister to us by your spirit. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.